Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. It is so good to be back and we are so lucky, special, blessed, honored to have an incredible guest with us today. Debbie Paxton, a clinical therapist who has been working with survivors for years and years and has just brought so much insight to my own journey and specifically on the topic that I wanted to present today, which is something that I think we all as survivors have encountered and many of us didn't know what to do with. So I'm really happy to talk with Debbie this morning and welcome to the One Voice podcast, Debbie. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's great to be here. It is great to be here. And it, and it's really an important thing, I think, that we're talking about. And I've wanted to discuss trauma triggers for years, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I think, what, the fourth year of this podcast. And it's one of the most important topics to me when it comes to healing, because it's something that I think comes up for us at any point on our journey. It's something that comes Mm -hmm. up in the beginning. And then we think, oh, this won't happen years down the road. And then whoops, there it is. Um, But it's something I think a lot of us don't really know much about. And so it's very startling. Um, But having tools to be able to manage them when they come and new ways to look at it has been so helpful to me. And Debbie, you've um, actually been a person that's really helped me through my own at different points in my healing journey. I've known you for years and years. And so I just wanted to kind of unpack this just in a casual conversation um, based on what you have done in your work with survivors um, and just obviously your depth of knowledge. How many years have you been counseling now? Well, um, it's kind of, it's, kind of hard to say because it's broken up um mm-hmm. there was years right after grad school that I was in practice and then uh we started a family and so there was kind of a big break of about 12 or 15 years there but then I've been back in private practice since 2013 I think mm-hmm. so solid decade but a little bit before recent the and then came. some before yeah. also yeah mm-hmm. okay excellent well so when you when we talk about triggers. I mean, I guess I want to just start with what does that really mean to you? For me, it's basically having like this strong emotional reaction to something in the present that reminds me of something that happened in the past that was trauma. How about for you? Like, how would you sort of define it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. Triggers are something that happens in our now. It, it's something happen happening presently, mm-hmm. um, and it's a trigger because there's something about it. What that means is that there's something about that experience, and and it doesn't have to be an experience of the thing with triggers. The most uh, unusual things can trigger us that that in in our now it seemingly have no relation whatsoever. Uh, to something that happened in the past. So triggers can be an experience we're going through. It can be anything related to the senses, something you see, a sound, even a smell or an aroma can be Mm -hmm. a triggering uh, Mm -hmm. thing. But there's something happening in your now. And 
what happens is the, in the brain, there's something about it that's familiar to an experience you had in the past. Mm-hmm. And so the brain links it right back to that experience. And then any unresolved emotion or trauma from that experience will then follow that same route and come into our now. Wow. And so as a protective, way, is it like protective? Is that why like our bodies and our brains are responding as if it's happening again? Yeah, it's um it's it's something with the the familiarity of it. Yeah. And then then the unhealed nature of what happened mm. in the past. Okay. That it's almost like um an automatic response is occurring. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so disorienting and confusing because you're like sometimes we yeah. don't even understand that we're triggered and it's like why am I responding this way to this thing that's happening right now? Yeah. And one way to to kind of gauge whether you're being triggered is what we call the 10 to reaction. So there's something happening in your now that maybe for anybody, like it's a frustration, you know, your car breaks down, you're on the side of the road, whatever, that anyone would respond with like maybe a level two or three emotionally mm-hmm. in frustration or anger or whatever it is. But for you, the response is like a 10. Mm. So you're just having this intense response to this thing. And it seems a little bit beyond what someone else might experience in that same situation. Okay. And that's always an indicator that perhaps there's a trigger there. Okay. Yeah. When you said 10 and two, I was thinking of driving. Like you're supposed to put your hands on the wheel at 10 and two. <laughs> and I was like, that actually makes sense too, because it feels like autopilot. Like body is in autopilot, like reacting in this way. I didn't want to act this way. I didn't want to feel these things. It just is happening to me. That's what it feels like. But it also makes sense the way it's supposed to make sense, which is what you said of, yeah, the the level 10 versus a level two. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's something happening that is familiar And sometimes that's the confusing part because sometimes it doesn't even make sense in the natural. Mm -hmm. Like why this circumstance would trigger this. They they don't seem to have any connection. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's obvious, you know, I think especially like um, if you've done some of your work, you you know, maybe certain smells or certain things that you might see. Yeah, or like a place you you might drive through, like a certain town or a location. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's pretty obvious, but then other times it's, it's hard to understand, like, why am I responding this way? And Mm -hmm. in the intensity of the emotion from the past that gets dumped into your now, it's disorienting and it's kind of confusing. And sometimes it takes, takes a bit to sort through, okay, what just happened there? Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. after the effect, after the fact that we realize, wow, I was really triggered Yeah. And I think that's how it's been for me. It's like, I feel like if I, if there is a trigger in my now, I, my body will react at that 10 level. I mean, it's, it's a lot of just like, you know, prickles all over my body, you know, immediate sweating or, you know, Mm -hmm. just feeling sick to my stomach or Mm -hmm. frozen, you know, there's so many ways 
me specifically, and, and we might want to talk about other ways other survivors might experience the physical effects of a trigger, but I don't, a lot of times I don't know that that's me being triggered. I feel like, oh mm -hmm. gosh, like I've just, this is just the normal reaction to this thing that's, I'm just scared or I just feel like I, I, I can't move or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just normal mm -hmm. or I'm really angry or whatever. Like you just think it's normal, but it's actually not because I, mm -hmm. I can remember one recent trigger I had where it was like later I looked back on the event that was the trigger. And I thought to myself, like it felt dire, mm -hmm. but I thought to myself later, if some, if one of my friends had that happen to them or was in that situation, they probably would have just like blown it off, walked the other way. Like it would not. Yeah. Have, so that makes a lot of sense. The 10 versus two, because in the moment you are triggered and you're yeah. at a 10, but you don't know it's a trigger because you yeah. in your mind think everyone would feel this way. That's what's interesting right. to me is a lot of times you don't know. Yeah. And what's happening there is when you when you get taken back to that earlier traumatic experience you you mentioned some of the things that can happen in your now like the sweating or feeling anxious uh, or sick to your stomach sometimes even if it's a bad trigger you could have body memories or flashbacks mm. uh, or sometimes it just stays on the level of like emotion mm. um but that sense of it being dire, what that is, is, is that the trauma is taking you back to there's fight or flight there. Yeah. You know, so it's taking you back to an event during which there was at least a part of you question whether you would survive it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you were in fight or flight mode in that past event. Mm -hmm. And so that also comes into the now and it makes whatever's happening now feel that significant. You're, yeah. you're operating in survival mode and oftentimes you don't even realize it, but it feels, there's a part of you that feels like this circumstance, if mm -hmm. I don't deal with it right, I could possibly not survive it. Yeah. 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 And that's the how consequences I feel that big. Yes. Yes. And that's what was so surprising to me when stepping out of the situation and, and being sort of on the other side of it looking in it was like why did I think that was the end mm -hmm. like it's almost comical <laughs> but it was it correct sort of was like the little me was yeah. reacting yeah and it wasn't current me because it was little me was like this sound this feels so similar to that time you know but I wasn't thinking about the thing of the past it's just like this yeah. automatic reaction Correct, because sometimes the trigger is so obscure, mm -hmm. um, you know, that there's nothing in what's happening in your now that in your logical brain reminds you in any way of what you've been yeah. through in the past. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, I think in those cases, what's the trigger is the emotion. Okay. And so there's something happening in your now that's eliciting an emotion. It yeah. could be you're feeling out of control. Uh, you're feeling angry or you're feeling betrayed mm -hmm. or sad. And so mm -hmm. even though in the, in the circumstance in your now that those emotions for most people would just be at a level two, like, yeah, yeah. that really upset me. Yeah. But because the emotion is the same emotion that you felt back then, mm -hmm. that's the link 
Yeah. The circumstance could be so completely different, but it's the, it's the emotion that it elicits mm-hmm. is similar to the emotions you felt back then. Mm. And that's how it connects. And then that's yeah. why that fight or flight comes into your now and that sense of direness to the circumstance. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, you often don't even realize it at the time, especially when it's, you no. know, you, you can't in your logical brain figure out the connection. Right. And that's where I think like having a safe place where you can process and find the link is so important because when you're so activated and you're at that 10, all you see is the current situation. You're not seeing the thing that happened to you when you were seven, you know, and, and yeah. how that relates mm-hmm. or your belief about yourself when you were seven mm-hmm. is similar to what you're believing because of how this random thing happened when you're 50, you know, it doesn't register at the time, but being able to talk it out with someone, you know, a therapist, especially to make that connection, I think is so important. Yeah. I think what you were saying there is so important, Nicole, in that in the moment when we're triggered, there's so much happening and it's so hard to sort through it in the moment. And so one thing that you can do is, notice that tend to, if you can start to just have some awareness, okay, my response seems bigger Mm. than this circumstance would be for most people. And so that's a clue. Okay. I think I'm, I think I might be being triggered, but you're probably not going to be able to, in that moment, figure that out, what the trigger is, or in any way actually deal with it. Yeah. In the Mm. moment. And so if you can realize I'm being triggered, then hopefully that will also produce a compassionate response to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because so often we're like, what the heck's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Like, chill out. Like, why am I freaking out about this thing? It's not that big of a deal. Right. And so our narrative in our mind just immediately starts kind of shaming ourselves. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. if, if you can recognize, hey, I'm being triggered. Mm-hmm. And there is a little part to me, a five-year-old me, a seven-year-old me, that this makes complete sense to and who's mm-hmm. very upset. And so you don't want to shame. You don't want to add to that narrative that maybe you heard even back then. Yeah. To just get over it, to just shut up, to just knock it off, pull it mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. All those things that maybe we even heard then. Uh, yeah. And we don't want to repeat those messages to ourselves. Like our silencing. Now. We don't want to be silencing mm-hmm. ourselves or the exactly. part of us that's reacting. Like that's part of healing is giving mm-hmm. those parts of us a voice. And Correct. so I think that's a really important thing that you're saying. I think a lot of survivors also have moments where they shame themselves where if they're triggered that this is a sign of like oh I haven't healed (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. versus I think the compassionate response would be this is actually part of healing like you are actually getting deeper healing right now if you're willing to sort of excavate this you know correct yeah I think that's that's an important thing to remember when you're going through it. Right. And there's, there's kind of maybe two stages to that. First of all, you got to deal with what's happening here now. Like maybe you're at work and you get triggered. 
And so you, you don't have margin, you don't have space to kind of really attend to what the trigger is or excavate it or, you know, allow that healing process to happen in that moment. So what you want to do is if you can recognize that you're triggered, at least in your narrative, in your mind, Mm -hmm. you can say, you know, to yourself, okay, I'm triggered. You can take a couple deep breaths. There is a real reason why I'm feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're a person of faith, often what I do or have clients do is when you're triggered in that moment to say, Holy Spirit or Jesus, can you hold this for me? Can you just hold what's happening here? Help me to be present in my now. And then later when I, when we have margin, we'll go back to it together. Mm-hmm. So in your now, you're, you're just acknowledging something's happening in me. There's a real reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going to kind of put it to the side and try to get more present in my now. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, in your in your mind, that can also take the form of a narrative of just saying, you know what, I hear you. You're, you're kind of talking to a little you. I hear you. I hear that you're very upset. And I want to hear your story. I want to hear that part of my story. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to do that right now. You know, even saying to yourself, like, say you're in your office by yourself, just taking some deep breaths and saying, I'm going to be okay. You're going to be fine. This is something you've already lived through. Yeah. We're going to be okay. Those kind of messages. Some kind of messages that have helped me are even that you don't have to do all of this alone. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's help now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have more tools than, than you did then those kinds of things have helped as well. I think that's really good. It, I think in the beginning parts of healing, sometimes it sounds kind of strange and eccentric mm-hmm. to hear people say like talking to yourself in that way, or mm-hmm. even the idea of like a younger version is a little bit mm-hmm. out there. But yeah. um, I do think like as you progress in your healing and, and begin to um, think about things in that way. There's so much there. It's so helpful in the compassion for other versions of yourself yeah. is just so monumental in the healing journey. Um, but I really love these affirmations sort of that you're saying it's not really affirmations, I guess, more than just like reminders, like truths, like to kind of be able to deep breathe and be in the moment and uh-huh. also reminding like, this younger version of you of, of I like, I've got this and we'll work this out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some things, some grounding exercises might be good in that moment. Mm -hmm. If you have space, you know, get up and walk outside, Mm -hmm. you know, the deep Mm -hmm. breathing, um, even tapping, tapping on your desk, tapping on something helps the body to reconnect. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm in this present place. It helps kind of uh, bring you back if you're disassociating at all. Mm-hmm. And if we if we just take a second to kind of talk clinically about it, if you have trauma, you disassociate during it. it it's it's a beautiful uh, gift, really, that God gave the brain to to yeah. do that to survive what's happening. Yeah, you know, there's a 
there's a part of you that well, that has to just get distance from what's occurring. And actually all of us disassociate on a daily basis. That's a normal thing that we do. Like if you've ever experienced driving somewhere and you get there and you have no recollection mm-hmm. of the driving experience because your mind is thinking about something, but your brain is automatically turning left, right and stopping because yeah. it knows the route. <laughs> yes. That's a level of disassociation. And so when we're speaking about- And even about, people without trauma do that. <laughs> yes, yes. That is something the brain- God created the brain to be able to do in a variety of situations. It's normal, it's healthy, and we all do it every day, whether you have trauma or not. Okay, yeah. But if you have trauma, um, when we talk about these little parts, Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is if you have trauma, there's a level of disassociation that happened in that place Mm -hmm. that because of that trauma, it's almost like a part of you is frozen at that age, is frozen in that place in time until you get healing. And so when we're talking about little parts, we're talking about like, you know, a part of you, that's the age of that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it does, it's a language that's a little weird until you get used to it. We're not talking about multiple personality disorder. You know, that's the old term for it um, um, or DID is disassociative identity disorder is a newer term but that clinically is a continuum that we all disassociate trauma or not and then depending on the level of the trauma and the age you were when it happened mm-hmm. um, those parts of disassociation can be more severe or less severe mm-hmm. And so because you have a little part of you that's like still feels like you're seven years old at times, if they're, if you're triggered, who's kind of stuck in that trauma, that doesn't mean that you have disassociated identity disorder necessarily. Okay. Um, it's just, that's what happens when there's trauma is that level of disassociation that we all do uh, is taken up a notch or several notches to survive what's happening mm-hmm. until you get healing in that place. It can feel at times like there's a part of you that's kind of stuck at that age or that there's a part of you that is still that little girl mm-hmm. or little boy. Yeah. At the age during which trauma occurred in your life. So what would you say to the survivor that's listening right now? That's like, hand raised like that's me I'm the one that's stuck at seven Debbie what do I do like no like is it is it just like that intense that healing going back to those that age and having conversations with that younger version and like unpacking what's what needs healing or is there more when you're talking about that feeling stuck at that young age well I think it, it definitely means um, counseling's needed. Yeah. You know, that that what we're talking about now is when, when you have a trigger and, and trying to navigate it a little bit. And there's, when we started yeah. there, almost like some sense that some work has been done. Yeah. Um, and even you talked about, even with some work, you can still have triggers. Right. And it's still always good to have a place, someone that you can go 
to and unpack like, hey, I was triggered and I can't make the connections. Mm-hmm. You know, can you help me work through it? Yeah. But that journey needs to happen where you go to counseling or therapy and get some help in revisiting these places of trauma mm-hmm. and receiving healing for that part of you that's still that age, receiving healing in that place in your past. Yeah. And there's different, you know, methods that counselors use, you know, um, trauma work, uh, EMDR can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're a person of strong faith, inner healing prayer can be really really helpful and all of them kind of involve going back to that event mm-hmm. and receiving some healing so that it's kind of dislodged from the emotional center of the brain yeah mm-hmm. and there's movement there so that even though you still recall the event the intense hurtful emotions aren't necessarily a part of it after healing yeah 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 I think that so often, you know, we're seeking help, counseling, therapy, healing for the current thing that we're struggling with, you know, the relationship mm-hmm. or the, mm-hmm. the coping mechanism that we don't want to do anymore or whatever, but we're still mm-hmm. stuck as the little one that needs healing. So we're, we're healing current version, but that's just sort of like a bandaid because the little one needs attention. The little one who went through the trauma that's the one that needs. So it's going backward. I like what you're saying with that. Yeah, there's there's lots of uh, layers to healing, right? And so oftentimes yeah. it is something in your now that is triggering you. And maybe at the beginning, you don't even realize it, but it, it's enough to motivate you to get some help because you don't understand what's happening and you feel dysregulated and kind of a mess yeah. in your now. But oftentimes with triggers, what we want to do is kill the messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, we want whatever this thing is happening here mm-hmm. right now, just stop. Because it's making me feel very, you know, upset, dysregulated. And so if this yeah. thing here will just quit, then I'll be okay. But actually, triggers are are, are good. They're an opportunity. Uh, It is just a messenger. It's highlighting, hey, there's this place in me that needs healing, either healing in general for the first time or a deeper level of healing. And so instead of killing the messenger, instead of just avoiding whatever the circumstance was that caused the trigger, Mm -hmm. and sometimes people can do that, you know, like, well, it it happened when I was driving, so I'm just not going to drive anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you about the avoidance because I've actually heard different people and you know counselors really talk differently like try to avoid the things that you know and then other ones it's like no you can't avoid like you just you need to be accepting of like live your life and anticipate that they'll come and that's the side I'm on because Mm -hmm. I am this far in my healing journey and still can get triggered deeply by things Mm -hmm. that come out of nowhere and I you know it's difficult. And I think what has helped me is one, realizing healing's lifelong and also mm-hmm. accepting the fact that I'm living my life at the fullest that I want to and can. And in that, I'm going to experience triggers. But being Absolutely. more equipped, yeah, being more equipped to be able to work through them. And I do want to get to that 
um, a little bit later of sort of like some steps to really kind of unpack it, to address it, all of that. Because I know those are things you are really good at and helpful to a lot of survivors with. But yeah, can you talk a little bit more about like that, you know, avoidance versus, I don't know if you'd say acceptance or anticipation or, yeah. Well, I think like most things, there's a balance. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay as a survivor to say, you know what? I'm not watching that movie. Okay. Yeah. Those, that does make sense for avoiding. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, your, your haunted houses, a oh, friend no. or your spouse or somebody, they put on a movie and then all of a sudden yeah. you start, you know what? I'm not going to watch that because okay. I know that's going to trigger me. And to me, that's not avoidance. That's more of like a healthy boundary. Yeah. That's a protection. But yeah. in other circumstances, like the driving or like what you were talking about, uh, I think that avoidance in those circumstances is just a robbery. It's, mm. it's a way that that trauma is still robbing you in mm. your now because mm. you, you're, you got to shrink your world down yeah. so that you don't get triggered. Well, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that that's kind of motivated me and clients that I've worked with is to say, you know, screw that. <laughs> he you know the perpetrator already took enough from me whether it's a he or she or whatever yeah I'm not going to allow that robbery to continue 20 years later Mm. then now I can't do this thing because it triggers me that's not life in abundance Mm -hmm. and so I think with triggers rather than kill the messenger you know if it's something like we're talking about this unexpected or a life event, what you want to do is follow that thread inward. You know, our focus is outward. Like this thing out here happens. This, my spouse said this thing to me or this thing happened at work. And if I can just outwardly get those things to stop, then I'll feel okay. But the solution is actually the opposite. It's like, what is this thing outwardly? Follow that trail inward. Mm-hmm. what what is it touching off in me what yeah. is it connecting to what is it highlighting that needs more healing mm-hmm. and again in the moment you, you you might not have margin for that but what you want to do is put a pin in it and go back to it with a counselor um you know with someone you're working with to revisit the trigger follow that trail with the help of a guide yeah to what it's connecting to and then position yourself for more healing in that place. Hmm. Gosh, that's such good wisdom and advice. I love that. I mean, I think that's just so important. That the main thing I hear you say a lot um, is just like the noticing. You know, notice mm-hmm. what you're feeling. Notice what you know. Put a pin in it. Like that's such a visual idea of like even like put a pin in it and. And then speak to yourself, like, we're going to revisit this with someone that can help, right? And like, you're not alone in this, um, but notice what it was, notice what actually was happening. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like, okay, let's walk through that a little bit more of like, addressing a specific one. So, so from there, what would you say, like, notice what's happening in your body? Or what beliefs are you? having about yourself you know because are you talking about in the moment when you're triggered 
or later? Yeah, to sort of almost, well, maybe it's both. I don't know. But to almost to manage the trigger in the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. it's beyond putting a pin in it and talking to a counselor. It's like, you know, how can I almost like talk myself through this right now? What can I even journal um, to help myself make the connection? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and there's really two stages. So in the first stage, when you're triggered, depending on what's happening in your now, you might not have really any margin to actually deal with it. True. Like if so you're that's in a public more like space, self-care. Yeah. If you're at work. Um, and so what you want to do again, the noticing is really important. Your healing journey when you get to the place that you can really get enough distance from your own thoughts and your own emotions to just notice them. Mm-hmm. And what, what I always say is, you know, just be non-judgmentally curious about them. Yeah. Be curious about your own responses and your own thoughts without judgment. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to learn how to do that. Sure. But when you sure do, it really facilitates the healing process. So just like notice, oh, wow that really upset me or, Oh my gosh, I felt really angry there. I wonder what that's about. Uh Instead of the judgment and condemnation that we heap on ourselves about our reactions, or even initially we're so into our reactions. We don't even have enough space to recognize our responses. Yeah. We don't even have space to say wow about ourselves. Like, yes. Wow. You really later. felt something there. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hell yeah, I'm feeling something because I should be, you know? Yeah. yeah you don't get enough space at first, but eventually yes. the noticing is so crucial and the non-judgment, the, the compassion. I mean, just being think- curious without judgment. Yeah. You're like, wow, what the heck was that? Why did I respond that way? And that's mm-hmm. okay. Even if it's later, eventually you'll be able to do that quicker and quicker in the moment to recognize, oh, I'm really reacting internally and not always externally respond in that reaction. Mm-hmm. But when you're triggered in a public place, you notice the response. And in some way in your own narrative, in your mind, you try to validate that right away. Like, okay, I'm triggered. There's a real reason for this. Mm-hmm. This is something really real is happening to me. And you soothe, you say, you know, we're going to get back to this. Sometimes just even saying, whatever it is, I've already survived it. You know, I'm here now. I'm, you know, just even saying to yourself, your current age, mm-hmm. you know, like something real is happening, but I'm actually 46 years old and I'm here now and I've already survived whatever I'm being triggered with and I'll survive remembering it I'll survive the trigger of it yeah and so whatever form that takes you're just trying to do some self-soothing you're trying to speak some truth yeah but then also physically Mm -hmm. um grounding yourself you know because when we're triggered we can feel really dysregulated and so you know getting up taking a walk Mm -hmm. like I said tapping uh getting some fresh air especially even if it's cold just getting out in that cold, fresh air of the body immediately is like feeling that. And it helps to just root you back to your now. Mm -hmm. If it's warm in summer, you know, uh, doing something barefoot is good. You know, go outside, take your shoes off, walk around in the grass. It's anything with the senses, you know, touching, 
can help root us back to our present so that we're not feeling disassociated. Okay. You know, sometimes there's an exercise too, where you can just say, you can't get up and walk around. You just look around and what are five things that you notice? There's my yeah. desk lamp. There's a knob on the door. You know, it's like, you're, you're trying to pull the brain back into your present. Yeah. And yeah. So you want to do those things to kind of help yourself navigate the trigger. But then the second stage then is, is that pin. You put the pin in it. And at some point then when you have margin, you go back to it to kind of unpack what was happening there. Okay. That makes sense. Cause that's not something you're going to be able to do right away. So not it's mostly always. just make yourself safe, you know, exactly. notice things, be compassionate and do things that help ground you. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of you triggers, want to get regulated. Yeah. A lot of triggers um, just kind of provoke a lot of hypervigilance, right? And it's like you're at this mm-hmm. crazy level like of like emotion and just sensation and thought, but none of it is even in reality. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's a whole world happening. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole world happening around right. you. You don't even know. So if you can get back down to that world and know. I'm going to be fine. That's the first step. So then the second step, once you're able to then start making those connections, maybe once you're a little bit through that and you have a person or a place to process, Mm -hmm. then what do you recommend as the steps? You know, we've talked about um, figuring out how does this circumstance that was triggering connect to the past being able to like talk through that or journal through that and finding that. Yeah. And it really depends on what stage you're in, in your healing journey. You know, if if you have a good solid base under you, Mm -hmm. then sometimes when you're, you're triggered like that, just talking to someone who knows your story, or if you're still in counseling and, and trying to say, this was the circumstance and I don't understand why it triggered me or what happened there. Yeah. Sometimes just, working that through with someone and figuring it out. Oh yeah. I can see how I was feeling so out of control in that situation. And that's exactly how I felt, mm-hmm. you know, when I was eight and this thing happened, if you've already done work on that thing, when you were eight, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes just figuring out what the trigger is, is enough. You just like, I get it now. Yeah. You know, I, I've already sure. done work on that and I know, and now I understand the trigger. But Mm -hmm. if you haven't done work, you know, that's where being in therapy or with a counselor where you can really pay attention to your triggers. You know, I always tell my clients, like, pay attention to it, write down what was happening, and then we'll revisit it when we're together. We'll look at what was going on. We'll make that connection. Mm -hmm. Just making a connection sometimes can take up a whole session. I bet. Uh, Mm-hmm. Other times, maybe, you know, we, we make that connection early and then we can go ahead and start working on that trauma. But oftentimes it's later mm-hmm. of just, you know, because we want to have enough margin and time to devote a whole space if we're going to revisit yeah. a place of trauma. Because it's not that easy just to be like, oh, yeah, that was so similar to when da da da. It's not that easy because it's often a completely different circumstance now than it was then right and there's so many feelings wrapped up in both of them yeah so that can be a longer process so I think that's good Uh laying down the expectation that 
this takes time and it takes time to explore and it's part of the healing process. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, swimming or upstream through muddy waters, you know, it's muddy, it's complicated. You've got what happened in your now, and then you've got all this other stuff that's coming into your now from past um, experiences and traumas. And you can't quite figure out what's what in your Mm -hmm you're feeling dysregulated and you're maybe in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it feels kind of chaotic. Yeah. Um, and so it might take some time to try to sort through and make those connections. And oftentimes you need a guide, you need a helper to help you yeah. do that. You need a counselor. Um, For sure. When you get, you know, years into your journey, you know, sometimes you can wade through that yourself. You can go home that night and journal Mm -hmm. and and maybe make those connections um Mm -hmm. and then sometimes even years later you still need help yeah makes sense especially around this time of year you're probably really good at taking care of everybody else but this is something just for you Unleash is an eight-week online cohort for survivors of sexual abuse of any kind. The course features a weekly video and journal exercises and a weekly virtual support group meeting with Nicole and a small group of other survivors. Next groups begin January 8th, and as a podcast listener, use code FRIEND50, that's code FRIEND50, for 50 bucks off the e-course. Find the registration and all the info online at IamOneVoice.org slash Unleash. So once we get to that place, you know, of making that connection, however long it takes to find it, what are sort of the things that you find helpful in bringing relief or truth or, you know, kind of healing that that thing that's been triggered yeah there's I think there's different approaches and so Mm -hmm. it's important that you you know get with someone who's doing the trauma work in a way that that resonates with you you and and, yeah and that can change you know at different Mm -hmm. places in your own journey Mm -hmm. but basically what's happening kind of clinically is you have this experience that was traumatic And so in your brain, there's the experience and there's a neural pathway that routes from that experience to these intense emotions, fear, terror, shame, uh, intense sorrow, betrayal. Mm. And so when you recall that experience or it gets triggered, the brain only has one path and it takes you right back to all that stuff. Mm. And you feel it again and your body responds. Um, and that's why like years later you can be old enough to, and maybe even have your own kids. And so you're, you're looking at a five-year-old and you're like, gosh, there's no way they're so innocent. I know that wasn't their fault. I can see how easily manipulated they could be. And so you try to apply that to your circumstance. You're like, there's no way that was my fault. And yet the emotion still remains. Uh, and, and that's yeah. where you get that glitch between the head what you know in your mind and what you experience the head yeah. and the heart yeah and that's a really 
frustrating place because like intellectually, you know, the truth, mm-hmm. but you still aren't experiencing the truth. Yeah. And that's in part because there's only that one route hmm. uh, from that experience, your neuropathway connects to all this intense emotion. Mm-hmm. And so it's through counseling and, and trauma work that we create, can go back to trauma and create a new neuropathway. So that then the brain remembers that event but has a new route to go where you remember the healing that happened in that place and the emotions connected to that. Wow. We're like little so construction with, workers, like building all yeah. these new roads for ourselves. Like I exactly. don't want to take the same freaking highway again. Like <laughs> yes. we're building a new one. The highway to hell. We know where that goes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. But how do we make a new route? You know, how do we change it? when it's something that's already occurred in our past. And so fortunately we have these treatment methods that um, work and, and now with, with brain science and the advancements there, we can even kind of put scientific language to, to mm-hmm. how and why they work. Wow. You know, with EMDR, it's get EMDR gets, you know, those emotions from one side of the brain to the other, to the more logic side of the brain. And out of that intense um, emotional center of the brain. Yeah. Um, and so in EMDR, you're, you're holding something or maybe there's headphones and it's, it's a sound or a vibration from right to left, right to left, right to left. And so as you're talking about the trauma, that's simultaneously happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually... Uh, kind of dislodging some of that experiencing and moving it to the other side of the brain. Um, Incredible. It is. It's pretty amazing. Um, An inner healing prayer that that I love to do, um, it's a similar principle about how it works, but it's like you're, you're revisiting that trauma and you're inviting uh jesus into that experience and so with the help and the power of the holy spirit we go back there and we know that christ has been with us all of our days and so we know when something happened he was there in some form and through prayer and the holy spirit we we ask that we would be able to see that and often i i journey with people and watch what jesus does i i watch him rescue these little people from these little parts of us from those traumatic experiences and also speak truth in that place to that little you that's so wounded Mm -hmm. um and we know that the brain to to be able to register something as real it it needs an episodic encounter and what that means is an episodic encounter engages the senses and so in healing prayer, and I can't explain exactly how it happens. I just know that it does. I've experienced it myself and walked and journeyed with many people through it. The Holy Spirit takes us back to that place and we're experiencing it in some form. And so our sight's engaged, you know, our smell or touch, all of that's engaged. And so then when Jesus comes and speaks and rescues, um, the brain 
registers that as this is my new reality. This is my new truth. Mm. And so you talk to someone who's been through inner healing prayer and they, they don't remember the trauma in the same way they remember it, but what they, they remember now is what Christ said and did in that place. Mm -hmm. And really what that is, is there's been a new neural pathway that's been created in the brain from that memory to the truth of what Jesus said and did in that place, the way that he uh, comforted and healed mm -hmm. um, that takes the sting out of the trauma. It, yeah. it heals some of those uh, emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, you've even walked me through bringing your current self in mm -hmm. to a memory um, and that personally for me was extremely healing and brought a ton of relief and comfort um, and it wasn't anything I had expected but being able to bring you know adult me to something that the younger version was going through experiencing feeling whatever mm -hmm. um, and I can remember you talking about, you know, that the adult you can see things that the child you, that the eight-year-old you couldn't see at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was a truth that felt really freeing too, where it's like a lot of what inner child healing work seems to me, and I do want to unpack more of that with you as well, Debbie, but um, in maybe, you know, in a, in a second segment, but where we ourselves, like the 43-year-old me or whatever version is the, is the rescuer too. Like that we can be involved in that rescuing or um, speaking the truth to the younger version um, that can also seemingly create a new pathway, right? Absolutely, absolutely okay. it does. And there's many forms of uh, inner healing prayer um mm -hmm. and you know because some people you know uh, even if they're a person of faith they can't receive jesus in that place yeah i've you heard know, it like from a, a lot of survivors who struggle like that can be sort of triggering for some whereas uh, others you know it's so healing it's, it's yeah the ultimate yeah. healing but for some that is too hard to think like that correct god could be there like how would what a yes. betrayal yeah yeah and that's that's part of often what needs healed and so in the front end it's too hard to even think about that but yeah I've watched um you know Holy Spirit do incredible things I've I've seen you know sometimes it could be even an angel that is there that's easier mm -hmm. to receive or as yeah. you mentioned lots something of times symbolic probably, even correct mm -hmm. uh I had one time um Jesus show up as a lamb, like little, literally an animal form, mm -hmm. um, uh, or the lion, mm -hmm. um, especially with what trauma. About, what about a grandma? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm Correct. sure that yes, exactly. anything could be used really for each person. Like you said, like every person has a different way of, um, experiencing healing at their ultimate, like the way that would be best and being able to receive it. Yeah. yeah. In that spot that they're in being able to receive mm -hmm. um, 
someone coming alongside them to rescue them in the memory. That can take a lot of different shapes and forms. And I do think one of the most powerful ones is your, your adult self yeah. uh, because it's almost um, in some ways integration can follow that almost automatically because that little eight-year-old you gets to see in some ways the end of the story. Mm. Like, oh, wow. You know, like I grew up, I got married, I have a safe house or, you know, they get to see like, I'm big, I'm strong. Yeah. I have choices now that I never had. That's right. I can set boundaries. I don't have to make everyone else happy anymore. Like all those things are changed now. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole new story. Um, they're not That's at the neat. mercy of all these adults. And so when adult you at age 45 enters the memory and can communicate and have some dialogue and this little part of you that's traumatized can, can connect with that older adult you. So much healing can happen from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, if you've not experienced it or heard about this, it sounds kind of weird. Well, as I say, it might sound egotistical to some, you know, I think mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I would have maybe thought that like, that's, that is weird. And like, how could that bring healing or whatever? But, and then you stay curious, you stay open on your healing journey. You're, mm -hmm. you're willing to maybe even try some different things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's, mm -hmm. I think sort of the, the little side jaunts that we take on our healing journey are worth it. Like we're out here in the woods and the briars and we're like, okay, we're far off the path. I don't even know where it is, but thank God mm -hmm. my dog's with me. Like we're going to find our way back, but sometimes that's where the treasures are. And you Absolutely. might experience a really important little trail and it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds kind of odd, but until you're, you know, sitting with someone who's skilled yeah, and, right. um, you know, that it can lead and guide you maybe back to a traumatic memory. And that also, you know, for me and my, the way that I practice uh, the power of prayer and it's covering the situation in prayer. Um, it's amazing the imagery mm -hmm. and the experience you can have an encounter in your mind and revisiting that place and revisiting it with rescue, with ransom, yeah. with healing. Um, you know, our imagination is such a gift from God. And so often it's hijacked, you know, mm -hmm. where we, by anxiety and fear, you know, we, we imagine, we can imagine all kind of horrible things. Sometimes we do every day, you know, what if That's this happens, true. what if that happens? Yeah. But in this process, what we're doing is we're allowing healing through a sanctified imagination, mm -hmm. allowing the original gift that the imagination is to be part of the healing process mm -hmm. uh, where through our mind's eye um, we can re enter places and also see a different outcome, experience a different outcome than the one that we lived in the trauma. Mm -hmm. It produces profound healing. And so even though it sounds and seems weird, how we know it works is personal experience. Yeah, you know, and the outcome of healing or outcome. relief or peace yes. or mm -hmm. compassion or just being able to breathe again. You know, I think that there's probably people who would listen and say, well, 
then your imagination could make up all kinds of stuff about your past. That's not even true. Like you can bring it back to an experience of abuse that didn't even happen. And now you're blaming somebody that didn't even do anything. But I think what you're saying is you allow your imagination to take you somewhere because it's coming to a destination that is positive and healing. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. And we, you know, it. there's, there's some, again, that's why it has to be with somebody who's skilled, who's been trained mm-hmm. um, to do this yeah. kind of trauma work because there's never a time when I'm working with someone that I suggest anything or say anything uh, when we're doing memory work, you know, it's more, I'm asking the person, okay, report, you know, what you're seeing, tell me what's happening. And then, you know, I might say, um, you know, would you feel comfortable if adult you came in to the memory at this point? Yeah. And then let me know what you're seeing or sensing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's that kind of guidance where you're you're never really suggesting um, or implanting, uh, but you're revisiting a place of trauma that's already occurred that the person knows about. Okay, yeah. And then um, you're having using your imagination to bring the healing piece. Yes. Well, and we know if we have trauma, right? Right. We know those memories are there. Right. And you can re-enter them and it's like it ha- it's happening right now, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not something we have to do with our imagination. That's the way trauma works. That's true. Yeah. When you have a traumatic memory and you get back in touch with it, it's like you're there again. It's not like yeah. remembering what you had for dinner last night. It's like all of a sudden I'm living it again. It like exists in time or mm-hmm. apart from time inside of you. That is that's so already true. the it's it, like this it, little anybody who has trauma knows world. it's true. Yeah, it's yes. like encapsulated. That is such a good word for it. It's like it's got this special little spot and uh-huh. it's like don't poke it because the membrane's very thin <laughs> and it yeah. will explode. But and you'll be back in it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we even know where it is in our body, right? You know, we kind of know like, oh, that's in my gut. And if I focus too hard on that pain in my gut, I'm going to be right back there. Dang. And, and so what we're talking about with the healing is not like creating something that isn't there. It's already there. It's already encapsulated in, mm-hmm. in this apart from time, this experience that happened to you. And so what we're doing is re-entering it, mm-hmm. but also bringing in things to that place that can produce a different result, that can produce healing. Trauma and and how we respond to it, 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 it's really profound. It is, yeah. Hey, it's Mary again, and sorry, I hate to be that awkward interrupter in the middle of an awesome conversation. So much good stuff here to process, and we're going to continue this incredible, awesome conversation and like a little Christmas gift for you that's coming up on December 13th, part two. Stick around for that. It'll be posted very soon. But in the meantime, be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, and even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and go to IamOneVoice.org.